Are you sick and tired of trying diet after diet and never being able to stick with it long term? Are you tired of feeling like you can't ever eat your favorite foods or like you have to completely overhaul your life in order to eat better? I have some good news for you. It doesn't have to be so complicated. There are actually simple changes you can make to your eating habits that don't require restricting foods or overhauling your life, and I am sharing three of them with you today. These are all changes I've made and continually work on and learn about more in my own journey, and it's also three of the exact things that I teach my clients that I work with in my coaching program. So get ready to hear about some small changes that can create a big impact on how you eat. Hey, welcome to Healthy and Empowered Living. I'm your host, Lauren Joyce, and I'm so excited to be with you today. I am passionate about helping women just like you ditch the diet culture and transform your body from the inside out without feeling selfish or taking up all your time. I believe living healthy can be simple and fun and ultimately allow you to deepen your relationship with God and walk more fully in the purposes He has for you. I've been where you are now. I've tried the diets and even got to my goal weight, but it left me feeling just as empty, insecure, and unfulfilled as I was before. It wasn't until I drew closer to God that I experienced that true confidence I was after. So grab your Bible, notebook, and coffee and get ready to finally experience joy and freedom in your health journey. Okay, so the first change I want to talk about that you can make to your eating without really restricting foods or completely overhauling your life is around emotional eating. So the first step to this is really to identify it. Emotional eating is when you eat to try and satisfy an emotional need rather than a physical hunger. Unfortunately, eating to cure an emotion doesn't help and oftentimes will make you feel worse. That being said, I'll add that eating while feeling an emotion isn't always bad. It's bad when it's the only way that you're coping with that emotion. Hopefully that makes sense. Now, most of us have been there, but if you're ever not sure about whether you're eating because of emotions, ask yourself some of these questions. Do I eat more when I'm feeling stressed? Do I eat when I'm not hungry or even when I'm full? Do I eat to the point of feeling stuffed sometimes? Am I rewarding myself with food? Do I feel powerless around food? If you answered yes to any of those, you have probably struggled with emotional eating. The first step is really to begin noticing those times when you may be eating to try and soothe or cope with an emotion rather than because of hunger. This last part is really important and one of the easiest ways, I think, to identify emotional eating, especially if you're unsure of the actual emotion you're feeling at that moment. Simply ask yourself whether you're actually hungry or not. For me personally, if I can begin to recognize that I'm eating frequently when I'm not physically hungry, you know, whether that's snacking or overeating at meals, that's usually an indicator to me that something emotional is going on and I need to dig a little deeper into what that is before I eat every piece of chocolate in the grocery store, right? (laughs) So the next step is to identify and then process the emotion that you're feeling. So one helpful way to do this is food journaling. Not like food tracking, but actually writing out your thoughts about the foods that you're eating or wanting to eat or whatever. Like, I recommend finding a system that works for you, whether that's an actual pen and paper, a note on your phone or tablet, or even voice memos in your phone would work. Even if you don't actually change anything about your eating yet, write everything down about your feelings around what you are choosing to eat, how much you're choosing to eat, how you feel afterward, like what's going on in your day or your week. That might be causing stress, anxiety, sadness, excitement, or whatever. Like practice naming the emotions 
naming the foods that are your that you are associating with those emotions and and really thinking about and writing down or making note of the physical feelings like happening within your body, right? Like all the things. Think of this as data collection. So you can begin to pick up on consistencies or regularities and and then also if there are certain triggers for emotions that are leading to you eating or overeating certain foods, then you can start to recognize those those patterns. I know this might seem overwhelming to start, but you can start small, like once a day, take a few minutes to think about all of this and jot it all down, okay? Don't get overwhelmed by thinking you have to do it every time you eat anything or whatever. Like just start thinking about it and, and when you can, take some time to, to note down some things, okay? Once you have begun to identify some of those emotions and maybe what triggers them, then you can start processing them in a different way other than with food. Like the example that I always give is, I used to always feel lonely in the middle of the afternoon when I've been working alone at home all day and I used to go to the kitchen for snacks constantly until I was able to recognize that it was really loneliness that I was feeling. So rather than going to my kitchen to begin eating, I can call up a friend or even make plans with a friend for later that day or I can go for a walk to get out of the house or you know just something like that to help me cope with that emotion better than going straight to the kitchen and stuffing my face, if that makes sense. Okay, so you've admitted to yourself that you might be eating as an emotional response. You've taken the time to begin identifying those emotions and brainstormed other ways to process them. But maybe you still find yourself struggling. That's okay. It can actually be a constant battle. So I want to give you one more tool that I always recommend to my clients and that I use myself all the time. And that's simply taking a pause in those moments of, of wanting to eat, where you think it might be an emotional response or or a coping mechanism. Just take a deep breath, wait a few minutes, and and pray. Invite the Lord into that moment to to settle you down, calm your mind, bring a peace to your heart about whatever is going on, even if you don't really know what's going on. You know, the Lord knows, and when you invite him into that moment, he can bring clarity around what is going on. Remind yourself that eating or overeating is not going to take away that emotion, but looking to the Lord can refresh and refocus you on what you need in that moment. So the next small change I want to share with you about your eating is presenting a simple way to think about calories. So let me start with this question. Is eating 120 calories of raisins the same as eating 120 calories of grapes? The answer is no, but why? It's because of this concept called calorie density, which is defined as the calorie content of a food relative to its weight. So let's dive deeper. According to the nutrition label, a serving size of raisins is about a quarter cup, which is 120 calories. Can you picture a quarter of a cup? That's like half the size of the palm of most adults' hands. Now on the flip side, 120 calories of grapes is about two cups, which is eight times the amount of raisins I just mentioned. Like, that's a lot of grapes. So you may be wondering why this matters. Well, it matters because while the calories are indeed the same, think about how much more full you'll feel if you eat two cups of grapes for a snack rather than a quarter cup of raisins. The water content in grapes, and really just about any fruits and vegetables, helps you feel full for longer and therefore consumes less calories. Let's be honest. How many of us would really only eat a quarter cup of raisins and not want more or something else to snack on. 
which in turn is going to lead us to probably eating more calories than our body actually needs in a day. So this concept has been distorted by our culture so much so that it actually has physically affected our stomachs and our brain's response to food. For example, if you go to a fast food restaurant, order a meal that comes with a burger, fries, and a drink, and then proceed to eat all of that, you'll have consumed roughly a thousand calories, give or take. Now, I want you to truly take a moment here to imagine yourself eating this meal. You probably aren't having any second thoughts about being full before you finish eating. You just eat until it's gone and you feel fine afterward, right? Now let's compare that meal with the calories in, say, plain baked potatoes. So in order to consume the same amount of calories as you just ate in the fast food meal, you would have to eat roughly six baked potatoes. Now think about how you would feel if you were trying to eat six baked potatoes. Could you even do it? Or would you feel so full that you wouldn't be able to finish? You see, our bodies were created to process the food we eat in a specific way. Our stomachs can expand up to 10 times their normal size to accommodate the food that we eat, which then tells our brains that we're full. Now, this is super cool if we consume the right kinds of food, but more often than not, we don't. The way our culture has distorted our perception of calories is because when we eat a burger, fries, and a soft drink, we consume a ton of calories, but the physical amount of food that we put into our stomach isn't enough for our stomach to tell our brain that we're truly full. However, if you tried to consume all of those potatoes, your stomach would expand and tell your brain that you're full long before you were probably actually able to eat all of those potatoes. Does that make sense? It's so important to be aware of the common misunderstanding our culture gives us about calories being the same. Not all calories are created equal. And we, when we learn to eat foods that fill our stomachs, we'll begin to feed our bodies the proper calories and really the proper nutrients that it needs to function with all the energy that we need for each day. I want to take a quick detour here and say that while it's true that foods do have different nutritional value, it's important to eat foods that are best suited to fuel and sustain us. That doesn't mean that food is morally equivalent. Like we are not good or bad depending on what we eat. We are good because God created us out of love and declared it is good. Like everything God had made is considered good. And by knowing this, we can remove the pressure and burden of, of food guilt. I like to teach my clients to look at foods as far as nutritional value provided to their bodies, rather than calling certain foods good and certain foods bad. And when you begin to notice that maybe you feel better overall when you're choosing more nutritious foods than less nutritious, nutritious foods, you'll likely desire to eat more of those types of foods and therefore will naturally begin eating proper amounts of calories. So I would challenge you to begin thinking about the types of foods that you eat in terms of calorie density and see what you observe and, and where you might begin to make small adjustments. For a quick example, choosing a fruit or a veggie over a bag of chips to go with your sandwich for lunch. So that being said, the first step in this would, would be to begin learning how many calories are in certain foods and, and really what the recommended portion sizes are for those foods. So the two best ways to do this are simply to read the nutrition label of the foods that you eat and or use a food tracking app such as MyFitnessPal to track what foods you're eating and how much. So both of these will help bring more awareness to the front of your mind of how many calories you are eating, how different foods make you feel compared to the calories they provide you and things like that. So once you understand this concept about calorie density and begin thinking about the foods you are eating in a different way based on 
which you can have more of with eating less calories, then the best change you can begin to make is giving your best yes based on what you know and the circumstances you're in. So examples that come to mind for this are like, like I had said before, choosing a fruit or a veggie over, say, chips or crackers, you know, with lunch or for a snack. Having a salad or soup instead of the bread as an appetizer at a restaurant. Eating grilled Chick-fil-A nuggets instead of the regular breaded ones. Or, you know, if you're not quite there yet, choosing the nuggets over a sandwich, which obviously comes with the extra calories of bread. You know, drinking water instead of soda. Okay, that's what I could come up with off the top of my head. But my point is to take what you know and make your best decision in those moments or circumstances. Like consistently make those best decisions and it's going to take you farther than you would think on your health journey. And those decisions are going to get easier and easier. I promise. The last change I want to talk about that you can make to your eating without really restricting foods or completely overhauling your life is portions. And I want to start by saying this, that portions in our societies have grown out of control. I'll dig in a little bit more to why portions are so stinking hard sometimes. Have you ever heard of something called portion distortion? It's the concept that there are many influences in our culture that are causing us to eat larger and larger portions of food, even if we don't want to or aren't hungry for them. Let me give you some examples of areas where you may have fallen into this trap of portion distortion. So say you go out to breakfast at a restaurant and order some pancakes. You think, hmm, the meal comes with a stack of two pancakes, two eggs, and maybe some meat like bacon or sausage. Like that sounds good, right? So now maybe you've had this meal for yourself at home many times and you've eaten all of it without any problem. So you think like, why would it be any different ordering at a restaurant? Unfortunately, it's completely different at most places. And you may be wondering like why, or you may already have an idea of where this story is going, but it's because of the portions they serve, like pancakes the size of your face, oversized bacon or sausage, plus all of the eggs. Oh, and they had forgotten to mention that it also comes with toast. Like, now what? You don't, You want to enjoy what you're paying for, and not to mention it probably tastes really good, so you eat all or most of it, even though you know that it's way too much. Like, has that ever happened to you? Maybe you don't eat out much, or, or you haven't really had a, an issue with that when you're eating out. Like, let's look at a different example. The size of our plates at home. So when you're serving up a meal at home, most of us fill the plate we are using to help us judge our portions. If you have an especially large plate, like do you fill it halfway or less? Not usually. Did you know that the average plate size used in American homes has been growing? In the 1960s, the average plates used in homes were about nine inches. In the 80s, they grew to about 10 inches. After 2000, it became quite common to have plates around 11 or 12 inches in diameter. So on a practical level, like, what do we do about this portion distortion? There are many ways to combat this trap of eating larger portions, but it's important to find strategies that work best for you, like I mentioned with the journaling earlier. So the first trick I use and and that I teach my clients in my program is when eating at home, always use a small plate. You know, we all have those small dessert plates in our dish collection, so let's use them. If you don't, I definitely recommend getting some. And at first, it's going to be really challenging to overcome that feeling that you just can't fit enough food on this teeny tiny plate. But I promise that you can. Plus, if you finish that serving, you truly are still hungry. There's always seconds, right? 
using a smaller plate is actually a mind trick. So you don't give in to this portion distortion, the, the lies that your mind will try to tell you when you use a smaller plate. Another trick I like to use is when eating out, ask for a box when they first bring out your order. Like immediately box up half of your meal and then beginning, begin eating what's left on your plate. Again, if you truly are still hungry, you'll have that box there for you to eat more of that food. But the thing is that studies show that people will eat the food that's in front of them, even when they aren't still hungry. So if you take half of your meal and put it out of sight, like chases are, you won't even notice that you didn't eat all of the food that they brought you to begin with. Then you won't feel so full and uncomfortable at the end of their, your meal, and you'll have a whole nother meal to enjoy at a later time. I will say that simply eating less is a great start, but for some of you, you may be ready to take that one step further or want more information about how much you should be eating of certain foods. Now, I kind of touched on this when I talked about the calories earlier, but knowing proper portion sizes can be really helpful. But there's a difference between reading what the proper portion is on a nutrition label and actually serving up and eating that proper portion. Like you might have to measure out some of these things to begin learning what those proper portions actually look like. I also will throw in here that there's a certain amount of retraining your body and your mind in this area. Like you might serve up a suggested portion of rice, for example, but then after you're done with your meal, you may feel like you didn't eat enough, even though you know, like calorie wise, that it was plenty, it was sufficient, but your body might need some extra time to catch up. It may have been so used to you overeating certain foods that it thinks it needs more. Like this is why it's important to know both how to eat less in general and then also like how many calories you're eating versus what your body actually might need. Okay, so quick recap. The three simple and small changes you can make to your eating today without restricting foods or overhauling your life are recognizing and redirecting emotional eating, learning to see foods as nutritious and eat them according to calorie density, and resizing your portions and retraining your mind and body around what eating proper portions of food is like. I truly hope you are encouraged today in the simplicity of these small changes. Even if you try just one of them, it has the potential to create big impacts in your eating and your overall health. I'd love to hear from you on how these changes go. So connect with me and give me all the details so I can encourage you as you journey forward in healthy and empowered living. Thanks for listening today. If you're loving what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes each week. And if you're not already a part of the Joyful Health for Christian Moms Facebook community, we'd love to have you. We aren't meant to do this thing alone, so come find the support and encouragement you need on your journey to healthy and empowered living. Also, if you're interested in working with me through my coaching program, you can book a free discovery call or email me to learn more. You'll find all the links to connect with me in the show notes. Until next time.